Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. Here's the thing. So prayer, praise, and worship will heal the spirit of the brokenhearted if the person desires to be healed. Now, let me tell you this. Some people don't want to be healed because being broken is too beneficial to them. How many of you want me to develop that? There are some people that don't want to get a job because the check that comes in the mail from the government, they don't want to lose that. Or just, I'm sorry to use that analogy, but that's an, it's the same thing in the spirit realm. They get too much sympathy. They could, they could take advantage of too many situations being broken. Broken is to their advantage. Watch this. They could, they, could, they could manipulate situations playing the role of the victim. If they start winning, folk won't feel sorry for them. So what has to happen is, I got to, <laughs> I got to understand, if I want the Lord to heal me, I got to want to be healed. Everybody say, I got to want to be healed. Now put on the screen for me 1 Samuel chapter 1. There's a lady in scripture that everyone knows, but I, I want to I help you with this. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1, we're going to read 18 verses from the New Living Translation. It's an interesting story because we know this story. If you, if you, ever, if you ever went to Sunday school, you know the story. But I want to give you some background about this person's name. Her name is Hannah, okay? And in, in the Greek, the Greek word for, for grace is Chan, C-H-A-N, it's pronounced Han. So the name Hannah is actually Chana in, in Hebrew. I say Greek, but it's in Hebrew. And her name means grace. Okay, this is important to know. There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of, Je- of Jeroham, son of El- Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Now this is interesting. One person's name means Grace Hannah. The other person's name means Jewel, or something that's va- someone that's valuable. Okay, Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. Verse four. On the days that Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of meat. To Penina and each of her children. Now, this is important. Go back to verse 4 because here's important. Now, imagine they're in a family and you say he has two wives yet. Let's not even talk about that. That's too deep to, for discussion. But he has two wives. But, and and, it's, and it's, it's permissible. So he has two wives and the rule was you can't have more wives than you can take care of. So, so one, has, uh, one of his wives, Penina, has all these children. And so every time he sacrificed to the Lord and the meat was given back to him, he would take up the portions and give it to um, Penina and her children, but Hannah didn't have any kids. So she was standing there watching this interaction and the smiling and the thank you, daddy, and all this stuff, and she had no, no one. Verse, four, verse 5 says, And though he loved Hannah, he would, only, he would give her only choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. King James, flip to the King James, look, look what the King James says. And this is... This is the real rawness of it. 
And her, uh, go back to verse 5, please. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had done what? And that's the way she saw it. The way she saw it was, I can't have children because God shut up my womb. That's important. Now go to verse 6. Verse 6 in um, New Living Translation. It says, so, so Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Now I'm going to tell you something about being made fun of. It's no fun. You know, my my Achilles heel is my heart. My heart is both my strength and my weakness. And so whenever I get in a place where my heart starts turning towards people, immediately I go before the Lord because one thing I can't lose, I can lose everything, but I can't lose my heart for God or his people. As long as my heart stays right before God, God can do anything for me. To make fun of people? I don't get that. I don't get, I don't get that we make, in church, listen, if you want to be made fun of, go to church. Look on Instagram and, and Facebook and look at the, the videos that are being posted. They're not being posted by sinners. It's church folk. We, we, we will take a picture of stuff in church. Pictures of, there's a pic, there's a, there's a video that I saw. And I, I don't make fun of people, but I had to laugh. I had to laugh. It was just crazy. You know, I guess someone was leading praise worship and she went to do the book and her wig went flying. And I just like, whoa. And they just posted that. And there was just the comments that were making. I thought to myself, you know what? You know, and when we're making fun of people, we never think for a moment, watch this, that at any given time, it could be me. And, and, and harvest is a weird thing. David kills Uriah the Hittite. As a seed, and the harvest was the sword never departed from his house. So you have to be careful with it. So she was taunting and making fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Verse 7, be careful how you handle people when God is dealing with them. Be care- when God is dealing with people, especially publicly, be careful what you say. Because at any given moment, it could be you. Okay, look at this. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah. As they went to the tabernacle, each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. How many of you think she was hurt? Insensitivity. She was taunting her. You know, women could be really mean. Men could be brutal, but women could be mean. Messy. Low down, dirty. No, I'm kidding. Okay, look at, look at verse Look at verse 8. I'm sorry. I'm, look at this. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? Here's what he's saying to her. Get over it. He says, get over it. You got me. He says, you, you have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? She should have said no. <laughs> look at this. Look at the next verse. Verse 9. Um, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Give me King James right there in verse 10. Real quickly. Here's what the King James says. In verse, go back to verse 10. Everybody read this out loud for me because I want you to get this. Ready? Read. 
And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord. How many of you got a visual of that? Where every year, the same time her heart would be broken, she expected it. When they got dressed to go to Shiloh, to the tabernacle, she knew what was coming. She knew it. She, she got dressed to go to church and she know that somewhere in the church service, when the sacrifice is made and Elkanah turns to give to, hand, to, uh, to Penana and her children, she knew that at some point when Elkanah turned his back, she'd be mocked and taunted. She knew it. And she got dressed every year after year and expected it. And this one time, the Bible says, she decided I'm getting up from here and she went to pray. And, and this is what happened. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaiden, she called it an affliction of thy handmaiden, and remember me and forget not thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She, she made a Nazarite vow, verse 12. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now hear me tell you what he did. He's, here's Eli. He's the priest. And he's looking from a distance and he's watching her mouth moving, but he ain't hearing nothing. A couple things come to mind. Why are you sitting there trying to hear what folk are praying, priest? Well, that's for another lesson. Look at verse 13. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Look at this. Now, now, it's one thing. Now, she's being mocked by the sister wife. The husband is like, get over it. You got me. She comes to church to pray and the preacher. And that's what happens in church. What happens is people bring their wounds to church and we're preaching this insensitive gospel. We're preaching this gospel about you better get right and you need to do better and you do nothing better. And, and pe- we're deepening the wounds of God, pe- God's people. And that's why the gospel of grace in this, in this uh, dispensation is so popular. And you think it's, it's going to spread like fire because it's the only gospel. Amen. Because people get a chance to hear the truth about God's love for them. And the Bible says perfect love will drive out the fear that they've been carrying. It drives out the pain. It drives out the wound. Perfect love. Here's what it means. It means that I believe that God loves me. It's not that God's love is perfect. It's that my belief that his love is perfect. Don't get me wrong. But my belief and understanding of his love is perfect for me. You understand? Let me me try to explain that. In other words, I am completely sold. The word perfect is a word that means mature. I am mature in the love of God. I don't understand a whole lot of things, but I do understand and believe that God loves me. Laugh at me if you want to. Talk about me if you want to. But God loves. Somebody say out loud. Out loud. Say God. Loves say it again. Say it loud. God loves me. He does. Even when things are wrong. Even when, you, even when you've messed up on purpose. He said, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. Now look at this. The Bible says in verse 14, And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine. Now he falsely accusing her. Verse 15, and here's what she said. No, my Lord. She said, I am a woman of a what? Mark those words in your Bible. If you have a Bible, a paper Bible, or a book Bible, and if you could highlight it in your smartphone or whatever else you're using, I'm going to tell you why. Because normally when you're hurting, that's what you're wrestling with. A sorrowful spirit. Uh, give, give me Amplified, please. Amplified Bible. 
Here's what it says. Hannah answered, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Give me, give, keep rolling through the translations. I'm looking for something. Oh, no, sir, please. I'm a woman hard used. I mean, you, if that didn't paint a picture, it's like I've been through a hard time. She was telling the priest, she said, priest, please, not you two. You know why? My life has been so hard. Anybody can relate to that? It's been hard. And, and watch this. She said, I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I'm pouring out right now is my heart. I'm pouring out to God. And herein we see. Now, now give me oh, King James because I want, I want to point something out. This is interesting. She said, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Look at verse 16. Count not thine handmaiden for a daughter, a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and what? My, my grief. Now the heart only grieves when it perceives a loss. The heart only grieves when it perceives a loss. So what happens is every time you're disappointed, feeling unloved, uncovered, unnecessary, unwanted, whenever that happens to us, what we do is we begin to grieve just like someone has died. I'm going to tell you what's crazy to me. A lot of people that go to funerals, they ain't crying for the person in the casket. You know what happens a lot of times? Is that we go to funerals and everybody around us is grieving. And really what we cry for is ourselves. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Let's go! Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Because you came to the home going or funeral or whatever with your heart already broken over what you've been going through. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to say this. I want to help you. And this is what I'm learning. At some point, now you will they'll always be hurt. But at some point in our lives, we have got to say, God, you know what? You are my healer for real. 
No, for real. You know, you pray for your arm, it was hurting, and then you look at it, it's still hurting again. Don't go, oh, well, let me just take an Advil. You could do that, but you need to say, God, no, wait a minute. No, you're my healer. So, so communicate to me what I need, how I need to handle this thing because my arm is hurting, and I, I, I need to know how to receive you as my healer because there's parts of me that's not physical that hurt, and I need to be healed. And I'm going to tell you something. You've been in relationships where you were treated like dirt. They threw you out like trash. And now you're trying to go on with your life. And some of us, some of, some of the women will do, they turn to cosmetics and they turn to all this thing. And, and, and as long as this is happening, what we're doing is we're medicating and covering our pain. But it comes out. There's not enough makeup in the world to hide the fact that your smile really isn't real. You know, you know, um, um, when people judge us, you know what we tend to do? There's, we lash out at them many times, but that's not the natural response. Our natural instinct, believe it or not, is to want to please them. Did you know that? When people hurt you, the, the natural human instinct, or when people judge you, is that you want, to, you, want to, you want to please them. You want to do something that will get them to stop judging you. And, and many times we lash out at the people that judge us because, watch this, we lash out at them because we realize that we can never do anything good enough for them to give us a passing grade. Can I release you tonight from something? You don't have to measure up to them. Because the bottom line is, they didn't, listen, they didn't live for you, they didn't bleed for you, they didn't, listen, they didn't rise for you, they didn't do any, and, and you have to learn to tell Negroes to, um, um, you, you, you need to, I'm sorry, you need to learn to tell people to go on about their business. Pass about the wax getter up in this mug. Y'all pray, pray hard. Watch this. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> this is, there's something in the Lord, heal, heal, brother. Watch this. Okay. She says, out of the abundance of my complaint, she said, it, she said it's not just the, the word uh, uh, abundance. Uh, U-N-D-R, under, means to flow, but ab under, that ab under, that whole word means overflowing. Out of the overflowing of my complaint, out of the overflow of my grief, I'm praying. And here's what she said, it's important to know if you're hurting. When you go to God, stop pretending that you're not hurt. Go before him and pray from your hurt. Because, you know, I'm, because I learned something in, in the book of Job that I'm, I'm about to give you tonight. Lord, I'm running out of time. There's something I want to show you in the book of Job. I'm going to show you something that's going to blow you away. Because really a lot of times what happens to us, we're not frustrated with people. We're mad with God. I'm going to show you. We don't, we don't blame people for hurting us. We blame God. I'm going to show you tonight. Look at, look at verse 17. Verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, here's what he said. Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Verse 18. And she said, now her name means grace. And she said, let thine handmaiden find what? Grace in thy sight. Here's what she was saying. She said, I pray that the blessing you just put on me causes my life to live up to my name. Why you call me grace if, I, if it seems like I have none? Why you call me beloved if, if it seems like I'm not loved? 
And so she's saying, and you know what's interesting? I'm going to tell you something about the blessing. This is for the fathers and mothers. Let me tell you, I read something in in the book of Genesis that blew me away. When when Isaac gave um, Esau's blessing to Jacob, an interesting transaction happened. When Esau came in afterwards and said, he said, where's my blessing? And his father said, I gave it to your brother. He tricked me. Here's what Esau said. Well, can't you bless me too? But when the fathers, when Isaac said, I gave it to your brother, here's what he said. He said, I already blessed your brother and the blessing will stand. Here's what he said to me. Here's what he said. He said, basically, I spoke the blessing over your brother. And because I spoke it, it's going to happen to him. And he said, well, do you have another blessing to give? He said, well, I could conjure one up. But the, the, the main blessing, in that blessing, I said, you're going to serve him. So I can't t- take that back. It's going to happen. And I said, here's what, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, would to, he said, I would that fathers and mothers today would realize that when they speak over the children, it's going to stand. And so even in this case, she's saying to the man of God, she's saying, listen, speak something good to over my life so I could find the grace that you say I have. So I'm going to do that tonight. Because you say, well, who do you think you are? It's not who I am. It's where I stand. It's my office. And from my office, I speak over you. And I say, lift your hands to the Lord. I speak over you and I say tonight that the pain that you picked up in previous relationships, even from childhood, that has chased you for all your life and caused you to be less than you are, it will leave your life. For the Lord God, the one that loves you, the one that calls you to himself, will wrap his arms around you and he will squeeze the pain right out until there's nothing left but worship, until there's nothing left but joy, until there's nothing left but peace, until there's nothing left but praise, and your life tomorrow will not be the way it is today. And the blessing will stand. And the blessing will stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says this. I love this. And she said, let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. Everybody finished the verse with me. And her countenance was no more. Read that again. Read it again. And her countenance was no more. Sad. She went to the altar and found healing there. So whenever we're worshiping and you, and the, and you feel the prompt of God, when, if God says come to the altar, run to the altar. Here's why. Because if God will never call you to the altar if he doesn't want to do something to you there. Okay? I got 10 minutes. Lord, I'm just all over the place. I got 10 minutes. Okay. So. I want to show you this. I got two scriptures I want to show you. and I don't know that I get through them, but I want to. Go to Job chapter 19. It's not uncommon for godly people to secretly blame God in their hearts for what they're going through or when they're going through a painful, going through a painful situation. The Bible says in Job chapter 1, God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God called him a righteous man. When Job got sick, his wife said, Will you retain your integrity? Curse God and die. His wife said he had integrity. But Job was nursing a secret that I wanted to show you. Now, let me give you the story. Everybody look at me. This is going to help you. So Job had three friends. Three friends. A long time friends. They came to visit him. And for all these chapters, his friends told him. One of his friends actually said to him, look at you now. Mm-hmm. Giving people all that wisdom, where's wisdom now? You were so righteous. Now you lost everything. You're righteous now? They were actually taunting him. Three of his friends were so wicked to him that at the end of the book, God told them, you need to go back to Job and apologize if I kill you. 
And the story didn't end for Job till he prayed for them rascals because God was about to take him out. Okay, but this is interesting. They had gotten to the place where they overwhelmed the poor man. And I love this because Job, listen, Job had been talking real spiritual. And you know how we do, talking churchy? But you know, when you're hurting real deep on the inside, there's sometimes when your churchiness just go away and you start cussing. And the real you comes out. You say all the right things, you know. How you doing today? Well, the Lord is blessing. How you doing? I'm blessed, you know. How you doing? Well, you know, uh, you know I'm under the circumstances, you know, no weapon formed against me. You're quoting scripture and songs. You know, they ask you how you do, you quoting him. Like, he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. How you doing? My hope is built on nothing less, but you, <laughs> you quoting hymns. Now watch this, this is interesting. The Bible says that Job had had enough. You know what it is to be fed up? He got tired of them folk. I got sores over my head, all over my head, to, down to my feet. I don't feel good. You were talking this junk? And the Bible said, Job answered and said, look at verse 2. How long will you vex my soul? And break me in pieces with your words. Verse 3, he says, these ten times. Give me a New Living Translation because I want to see what that word reproach means. That's what he said. New Living Translation. He said, you have already insulted me ten times. Kicking me while I was down. He said, you should be ashamed of treating me so badly. Verse 4, we're rolling down. He said, even if I have sinned, that is my concern, not yours. How many of you think Job has had enough? They say, if I sin, it's my business. <laughs> he said, you think you're better than I am using my humiliation as evidence of my sin. Look at verse 6. He said, but it is God who has wronged me. Hey! Where did that come from? He starts in verse 1 saying, you, you talk to me all bad and 10 times you've insulted me and you think you're better than me and you, you're talking down to me and you're breaking me. And he says, God wronged me. And everybody went, whoa. God wronged you? And it came out. And you know what? That's why Job went through that trial. Because down on the inside of him, Job thought that God was blessing him because he deserved it. He thought that God was giving him what God owed him. And God had to show him, no, 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 no. You have to understand, I'm doing it because I love you, but I don't owe you nothing. So when God now allows to happen to Joel, what happens to everybody in the earth at some time or another, at their times in life when life Unexplained mysteries happens to everyone. And when it happened to Job, when his life shook down, here's Job and, and he, his friends will let them have it. And God is allowing it. Sometimes God would allow people to say things to you to get you mad enough to tell the truth. Sometimes God will have people to say ugly things and do ugly things to you to get you mad enough to tell the truth about yourself the way you really see it. You're talking all spiritual. You know the Lord that giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But the truth of the matter is you think God has wronged you. You can't say it in chapter 4, but you're going to say it in chapter 19. <laughs> Look at this. I love this. Look at the next verse. No, wait, wait. Go back to verse 6. I love this. Give me a different translation. I want to see how I want to get this out everywhere I can. He said, then know that God has wronged me. He has drawn his net around me. Give me the next translation. He says, tell it to God. He's the one behind all this. He's the one who dragged me into this mess. And a lot of times when we hurt, that's what we're thinking. 
God doing this to me. And pastor talking about God loves me. Tonight, some of you are laughing, but some of you ain't laughing. Some people sit like this. Because you know, you, here's what you're thinking. God, you found me. When I was on my six-month sabbatical, I was laying in my bed one day. And I, told, I said to the Lord, if you had told me I would go through this season, I'd have never started this church. Some people don't like to come to church. I preach six times a week. Anybody care? Nobody like me. They don't even love me. Listen, I'm, I'm talking crazy to God. I'm telling God, I tell you, you brought me all the way from the islands up here for what? You could have left me home? I'm rebuking God for my, I'm, listen, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm rebuking God. I'm telling God, you know what? You know what? Just you somebody else. Like, <laughs> which would bless me. By the time I got before the Lord and began to pray, I got back in my bed. I said, I said okay, let me watch some Joseph Prince. And God says, no. I lift my hands. Here's what the Lord told me. He said, don't watch anything Christian. He said, you need to, he said, just watch, with it, watch some movies. I knew it was the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Pastor Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.